Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, I'll get you some stories as it is Friday nights, which means anything goes. We're going to talk about skin hunger, a woman who swears by her sperm smoothies, and questions to ask if you plan on dating in real life during this pandemic. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. So before I get into the questions, uh, just a couple of uh, shout-outs. First of all, shout-outs to uh, my friends at uh, Del Frisco's restaurant, which just reopened, and they have a beautiful terrace in the West Island. I just heard their ad, so it made me think of them. And I, you, this is a place that I go before pandemic every single week with my girlfriends. It was our girls' night out, so we really... Really, really miss it, but they have great vegan options now. So I just wanted to add that. And that's kind of thanks to our group of gals who uh, some of us are vegans and we kept testing recipes with uh, with Terry from Del Frisco. So uh, check it out if you haven't already. And another shout out to um, Tristan, Tristan of Trisalex. So I know many of you are doing the same thing I am, which is since we're not traveling this summer, we're spending time uh, kind of doing things around the house so I had the outside of my house painted and uh, Tristan was just awesome an absolutely delightful young man so shout out to both of those uh, local uh, local companies here all right here's a couple of questions I finally went out on a real date after exchanging messages and talking on the phone our date was short but nice but I was having a not so good feeling I brushed it off as nerves and accepted a second date which was tonight at seven We had coffee on a picnic table and told me I was his first real date in five months. 8 p.m. came quickly and he said he had to pick up his daughter. That was fine. We parted ways and I drove home. On my way home, I received a text from him that said, I will be there in 15 minutes. Then I got dick pics. The text kept coming and very rude sexual talk. Obviously, he did not realize he was texting the wrong person. I called a friend and she was not surprised at all. What is wrong with men? I am so discouraged. I have not been tuning in as often because of a shift change. Hope you are okay. And I noticed lately no poems from the poet, or have I just not been tuning in often enough? Is the poet okay? I rest assured the poet is okay, and he is sending in his poems, which I will read one actually a bit later. Uh, In these times, we have to ask. Your show has always been a source of light for me. Thank you for being you. That is so sweet from R.D. Um, Appreciate you saying so. And uh, not, it's not, you know, when I hear things like, what is wrong with all men? It's not all men. It just so happens that uh, you didn't get so lucky with the the guys that you've been choosing um, to go out with. Not that it's your fault. I'm not saying that, but uh, you may have to kiss a few frogs before you get your prince, unfortunately, or at least don't kiss them, but go out with a few of them uh, before. Uh, Last Monday, my teenage daughter, 19, and I were watching TV on my bed, just relaxing in the AC and a fan. 10 p.m. came and the volume of the TV went down and the radio came on. My daughter and I love the Boomer Show. Um, I told you before that you would have a great reality, light comedy TV show with you and your guests. Uh, That show sparked conversation between my daughter and I well into the early morning hours. Since that night, my daughter and I become closer than ever. She has shared things with me that she may not 
may only have shared with a best friend. She asked me some questions that I would usually think uncomfortable, but I answered honestly. I cannot thank you enough for the Boomer Show. My daughter loves Mark, a.k.a. Passion Poet. He made us both laugh with his humor. He was open and honest, too, and gave us a little insight on men and something to think about. Sharon was great, too. For 71, she is still sexy, and, of course, there was your magic touch that made it special. Since the show, my daughter and I become very good friends, and I can only suggest to moms who want to talk to their daughters about sex, love, and relationships, become friends and reassure them that their secrets can be yours. 1,000 thank yous. Uh, And that's from Darlene. Thank you. Uh, text writes in, it's most men, Lori, odds not in her favor. And I know this comes from a guy. You really think most men are this, I don't know. It just seems, I don't, is it really most men who behave like this? Tell me otherwise, please. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. I'm glad that restaurant reopened. I don't know it, but it sounds great. My girlfriend and I sat in for dinner this week at our favorite diner for the first time in months. It was great. Um, you know, I have not, uh, I have not yet been to a restaurant, so I have not ventured out yet and makes me a little bit nervous, but my favorite place, which like, I feel like if I go anywhere but there, I will feel like I'm cheating on them. So I'm waiting. I'm going to go they, on a beautiful day. They have a great terrace, so I feel far more comfortable uh, going when it's uh, when it's outdoors. And let me know how you guys, like, have you been out and have you been to a restaurant? Is it full? My parents were just telling me that they drove around downtown and they said the terraces and the, the sidewalks, it was packed. So I don't want to feel packed in anywhere. I don't know about you, but I'm still quite nervous about uh, being packed in anywhere. So um, anyway, Uh, so yes, it is a great restaurant. Just saying. Uh, Just like a song from Marillion says, forever kissing frogs that think they're princes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure they think they're such princes. You think so? I don't know. Uh, maybe you can answer this one because I have really no idea on this one. Is there a way to know if a date has a previous criminal record? Does anybody know? Is this, is this information like publicly available? I I don't know. All I know is this. Um, I remember hearing about the, 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 the sex offenders registry, for example, in Montreal or in Canada, uh, it's not a public thing in Canada. You can't, um, like Monsieur, Madame, Tout le Monde can't like access that online. It's only the, it's only for the cops and FBI and or whoever, not the FBI, but you know, RCMP. Um, but in the States, if you can access from here, you can access the, their registry from anywhere. And I, I, I did this once out of curiosity. I said, you know what, I'm going to Florida and I'm going to be staying in this neighborhood. And you, they pull up a map. You write in the state and the, the city and whatever. And a map comes out with all these red flags on it to show you where all the sex offenders who have been registered live. It's scary, folks. Like when you see this map, you're like, holy. Like this would be, um, I don't know. I don't know what use it is really. Like, what are you, what are you gonna do, right? Right? Like, you know, okay. So I'm going to this neighborhood, and I know there's a sex offender living here, there, and there. Like, I'm gonna be careful anyway. But nonetheless, um, how do? 
how would you know if somebody has a criminal record? If you Google them, I mean, the first thing I would do if I had their full name is Google their name and see what comes up, right? I would imagine that if they were arrested here for anything, that their name would show up somehow. So Texter writes, yes, all convictions are on a Quebec uh, website. Which Quebec website? Is it a specific website? Uh, would they be acting so self-entitled if they didn't think so? Mm, good question. Uh, yep, I know many men in all walks of life and in all different social statuses. They all have the same thing in common. Uh, and boo for that jerky guy with the dick pics. It's upsetting that there are so many men who pull stuff like that. A lot of evolving still needs to happen. Sadly, uh, evolving still needs to happen. Wish not, but yes, it does. Uh, coming up, lots to talk to you about. Uh, coronavirus questions to ask before meeting up with a date in person. That's coming up next after. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. All right, anything goes tonight. You want to participate in the program, share some stories that you heard, you have questions, you want to comment on some of the stuff I'm talking about, you want to tell me what you've been up to. I'm curious to know, have you gone out yet now that things have reopened? It's only been, what, a week since uh, restaurants and such have opened. What have you done? Have you been to the hairdresser? Have you had your nails done? Have you gone, um, have you gone to the restaurant? Uh, have you gone to a bar? I want to know what you guys feel comfortable doing and what you've been up to. So let me know 514-800, or you can call me at 514-790-0800. I read read this interesting article called, and it was titled The Five Corona Questions to Ask Before Meeting Up with a Date in Person. Before we would have these conversations about sex, right? You'd want to, before you had sex with someone, you would want to have like the safe sex talk and get a little, a little history about how the person conducts themselves. Do they practice safe sex all the time? Do they get tested? Uh, Things like that. So obviously now it's a different conversation, right? I mean, you have to still have to have the other one, the, the, the STD conversation, the safe sex one. But here now we're talking about simply socializing and there's no such thing as zero risk interaction. So we all have to assess the risk. You don't know the person. Um, first of all, do we even know if they're going to be truthful? So that's another thing we have to worry about. But I think if we're going to be dating in real life, we need to do our due diligence by having uh, these talks prior to meeting. So either a video chat or a phone call before you actually meet up. Your health and your well-being have to be prioritized over your dating life right now. And you need to think about these things. Okay. So there's ways of approaching this, not in an aggressive way and not in a hostile way, but as a dialogue with your, uh, with your date. So here are some things because the way they could, they, they talk about this, by the way, will shed some light even about your potential compatibility right? So you, you clear, I mean, you want to date someone that has similar views to you, I think anyway, uh, certainly about how to manage this, this health crisis. If you have somebody has complete opposing views than you, 
for example, I don't know, you take this really seriously and they, and they don't because they believe it's all a conspiracy, for example, that tells you something, right? And you may not be compatible if you're not compatible right there. So we need to uh, talk about this. So here's some of the questions to get a clearer picture of the risks involved here. So you can ask this question, what does a typical day look like for you during the pandemic? So this gives you a, a more or less a, an idea of what the person's risk factors are. Do they work at home? You know, they might tell you, well, I rarely go out. I work uh, mostly uh, from home. Or they may say to you, well, uh, I, I'm a doctor or I'm a healthcare professional or um, uh, I work in a hospital setting or I work in a CHSLD. Whatever it is that may put them more at risk, right, for getting infected. So you want, you want to know that. Uh, you have to ask them, have you had any COVID-19 symptoms in the last few weeks? Uh, you know, the usual cough, fever, sore throat, loss of smell or taste. Those seem to be the most, uh, most common ones. And that's a question now, by the way, that everybody's asking. I went to uh, get a pedicure done and I got those questions asked that that's, it's okay. You should be asking those questions. Um, another one is, have you been in close contact with anyone who has uh, COVID-19? Is it, maybe it's a friend, a family member, a, a coworker who tested positive. Um, and you can also ask if they've been in any situations, uh, recently that may have elevated their risk. Like, uh, maybe they were traveling or maybe they were part of the protests, for example, something to that effect. Uh, another question to ask is who do you live with? So you kind of want to know, are they living with people who are potentially, um, uh, could be a high risk group, or maybe they live with someone who's a healthcare worker, for example, which could affect, uh, the potential of, uh, of somebody uh, getting it. If they're, uh, if, if they're living, if their roommate, let's say is an essential worker. And finally, have you been dating, hooking up, or spending time with people other than those in your household lately? So this is obviously a good time to ask what precautions they've been taking when they've been socializing with other people. You want to know, have you been having dates um, on like outdoors or indoors? Have they been small groups or big groups? Uh, did it happen just once or you've had like a whole bunch of dates? So were they wearing masks? Were you practicing social distancing? So all of these are questions now that we actually have to think about and it isn't just dating. You're meeting somebody in real life. That's yes. Obviously, if you're dating them, these are important questions, but I want to know these things from other people I'm socializing with as well. Right. For me, uh, not a single person, but I want to socialize. So I'm going to find out if any of my close friends that I'm going to hang out with in the backyard, let's say have also, have, have they been exposed? Have, uh, you know, uh, have they been exposed to essential workers? I know they're not essential workers, so I know who I'm um, socializing with, but you don't know when you're meeting somebody brand new. So you have to ask those questions. Uh, texters here, um, Dr. Lori, this is some of the most important dating advice you have ever given. Are you posting it anywhere? Thank you on behalf of concerned parents. Uh, you know what? I, uh, I will share this article. How's that? I will, uh, I will try and share that article on my, uh, my Facebook. So if you just go to the Dr. Lori Facebook page and make sure to like the page so that you get notified when things are on there, but I will post this promise. 
Uh, Lori, have you seen the most recent technologically advanced, not to mention eerily human looking and behaving robotic companions, which you can equally engage in both sexual relations and philosophical conversations with apparently. Uh, so with AI technology and, uh, clearly things are getting more and more sophisticated because these robots, I, I haven't seen one in real life. Just want to say, I have seen articles, I've seen pictures, um, but the, it's a little bit like your phone and all of that getting to know your habits. So, you know, when you search for things and what have you, there's all these algorithms that, that they, they get to know, they get to know you. So, um, I suppose this has something to do with it as well. It must be the way that they're able to have these, uh, these conversations. <laughs> I don't know. I would not want to have a conversation with a robot. I have enough with Alexa and Siri. That's enough for me. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about the rest. Uh, do bodily fluids transmit COVID life is, is sex complete, like is sex completely off limits. If, even if you wear a mask and gloves. So here's the deal. The, there was only one study done that showed that there was amounts of COVID in semen in patients that had been highly symptomatic. So people who had shown like severe symptoms of COVID, uh, they had found amounts in their semen, but then there were other studies that did not find it. So, um, if you're unsure, wear a condom, like that's it. You're much more likely to catch uh, this virus from the kissing than, uh, than anything else. Remember that, uh, Oshi joins us on the line. Hi, Oshi. Hello. Do we have Oshi? No. All righty. Uh, let's see. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what it's, a that's about the transmission. You're much more likely to transmit through kissing than anything else through, uh, through bodily, those bodily fluids rather than, um, through saliva really. Uh, really you want to start a relationship by wanting to know if someone has a criminal record, red lights should be flashing and sirens wailing. Perhaps you should research how much money he has as well. So, so romantic. Yeah. It's not the first thing I would have thought of if the person has a criminal record. I'm, I would hope that that's the kind of thing that would somehow maybe get into a conversation at some point. Hey, I did something really stupid years ago and I did some time. I don't know, something like that. I'm not sure. Um, at our diner, we were almost the only ones there. Oh, about three quarters of the booths were roped off. And in the back where we sat, about two thirds of the tables were removed and we felt pretty much a hundred percent safe there. Um, good. That's, uh, that's good to know. Uh, people are, um, comp uh, like places are taking this very seriously and, and really, um, making sure because nobody wants to dine and feel anxious when you dine. Like, no, that, that just, uh, wouldn't do, uh, wouldn't do well. All right. Passion poet, passion poet uh, says sex in the morning, sex at lunch, sex in between can be a sexy brunch, sex at three, sex at eight. You think he has sex on his mind? Sex at midnight is always great. No matter what time it is, sex is always in fashion. Spice it up with Dr. Lori. Live your life with passion. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. What is the world coming to, according uh, about the robots? Fascinating in a way, but not something for me. That's how I feel. I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff. I'm fascinated by the evolution of our sexuality and to see, um, you know, all these changes. One day I have to sit down and really look at everything that's changed in 30 years that I've witnessed myself and been able to kind of keep up with these these new trends and then looking at how the trends affect uh, affect us in different ways and how it changes the landscape of sexuality. I know I give one talk to um, university students and in uh, I do a, a whole slideshow of all the things that when I started in this business, what we didn't have access to, what we didn't have, what we didn't know. Uh, and there's a whole list of those things. Uh, so it's really interesting to see how sexuality, how um, talking about sexuality, what some stuff was, uh, what was once considered, uh, the word back then we used was perverted. We barely even use that word anymore. Um, how so much has gone mainstream, how much more is understood simply because we have access to so much more information and, and just seeing how many people who have the same interests come together, not literally, but in terms of finding themselves in terms of communities, which has really changed in, in terms of people feeling badly about their, uh, their sexuality. So, um, it's interesting. It's, uh, the very, the, 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 yeah, interesting is to say the least really, uh, coming up, we'll talk about skin hunger it's a real condition, by the way, that may help us explain our desperate longing. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Anything goes tonight, you know, it's Friday night. Talk about a little this, a little bit of that. 514-800, Texter writes, while dining out, I was perplexed to understand how people wearing masks eat their food. <laughs> Got to invent those types of masks where you can, you know, I guess open them, eat your food, whatever. I can't imagine, I cannot wear a mask for a long period of time. I don't know how about you, but the thought of wearing one to work all day long, I, I don't know, like I get would get claustrophobic. I can understand why some people um, are resistant to that, but I'll wear a mask if I go into an indoor place, like a, a store or something like that. Uh, but I, I'm not wearing one outside unless I'm, I'm not, I can't maintain that six feet uh, apart, which I think is, a, is fair, which is what we're supposed to, uh, to be doing. Uh, just for information, if uh, I did post uh, just now during the break on my Facebook uh, feed, the five coronavirus questions to ask before meeting up with a date in person. So I posted it there and you can share it with uh, single people who you think might find it useful. Let's talk a little bit about skin hunger. Millions of us uh, are being deprived of physical contact. Um, some of us are lucky enough to be with partners at home or to be 
um, uh, quarantining or self or isolating in a household where there's uh, where we're with other people where we can have uh, some physical contact but there's a lot of us a lot of people who are deprived of even the slightest physical contact which can lead to something called uh, skin hunger and this was explained in a, a neuroscience uh, um, blog or article and let me just explain it the way they did, that there's a place called the Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami, and uh, they, wrote, they wrote a little bit about this. When you touch the skin, it stimulates pressure sensors under the skin that send messages to the vagus, a nerve in the brain. As vagal activity increases, the nervous system slows down, heart rate and blood pressure decrease, and your brain waves show relaxation. Levels of stress hormones such as cortisol are also decreased. So touch also releases oxytocin, the hormone released during sex and childbirth to bond us together. In other words, human touch is biologically good for you. Being touched makes humans feel calmer, happier, and more sane. Without touch, humans deteriorate physically and emotionally. We know from the literature that lack of touch produces very negative consequences for our well-being. Humans uh, are inherently social creatures. Studies have shown that depriving monkeys of physical contact leads to adverse health outcomes. Our brains and nervous systems are designed to make touch a pleasant experience. Nature designed this sensory modality to increase our feelings of well-being in social environments. It's only present in social animals that need to be together to optimize their chances of survival. Those who live alone, though, find themselves enduring months without human touch. This is a particularly cruel irony, given that skin hunger actually weakens our immune systems, making us potentially more susceptible to coronavirus. This neuroscientist says, I'm very concerned because this is actually the time we need human touch the most. She explains that touch is instrumental in immune function because it reduces our cortisol levels. And when cortisol levels are high, our immune system is depleted. We use touch for comfort. When we are in danger or anxiety, being touched is a form of help. A lack of touch increases the stressfulness of situations. Uh, He explains that studies have shown that people perform tasks better when they are clapped on the back beforehand. It's a form of reassurance that goes back to the touch of the caregiver when you were a child. So this is where a lot of people are experiencing what's known as skin hunger. A couple of texts here. Uh, I hugged my girlfriend this week for the first time in months. We both think we had been through some sort of skin hunger in the interim. You bet. You bet. It's it's almost weird, right, to be hugging people you ha- that you would normally hug before, and all of a sudden it's like uh, I was getting desperate. I, I saw a friend, and this was, to me, it's heartbreaking because I have a friend who lost her father uh, during all of this, and all I wanted to do was just grab her in my arms and give her some comfort and 
Um, it was so hard not to be able to just do that spontaneously. And I said, to hell with it. I'm ta- I took a large towel. I threw it over her and I said, I'm giving you a hug. You'll suffocate for a few minutes, but I got to hug you. And, uh, and that's how we did it to protect her and to protect me. But I mean, it's crazy. Um, but it's what we have to deal with for now. Right. Uh, considering the rapidly growing technological advancements, this texture writes, it appears humans are becoming more integrated with machines and vice versa. Yeah, you kind of feel like a machine. Uh, thereby establishing mutual common ground upon which intimate relations will inevitably, I hope not, someday soon, naturally develop, consequently becoming the social norm. What, machine-like um, intimate relationships uh, or having intimate relations with machines? I don't want that. Uh, we need to touch one another. Holding hands, a hug, a kiss on the cheek means so much. You take your chances every time you get in your car or cross the, ro- the street. Statistically, you are more likely to be in a life-threatening accident or any form than get- getting COVID-19 in Montreal. I mean, it's well and good you're putting that into perspective, but most of us, I think many of us are still quite fearful and not, it's not for me. I, I'm not so scared of getting it. I'm scared of ha- being asymptomatic and passing it on to my aging parents. That is my biggest fear. So it's not about me, but it's about others and protecting others and, um, you know, I think I'm pretty robust in my health that I, uh, and I'm not at an, yet at an age where I'm at an at-risk group and I'm, I'm healthy. So, um, it's, it's really, it's not me. I just don't want to pass it on. I would feel horrible if I was the one giving it to, uh, to somebody else. So I'm, you know, trying to, uh, and I'm sure many of you feel quite the same way. Will the pandemic ruin your uh, relationship? This is what uh, one article is talking about. Uh, So let me share with you because there was a a research attached to this. A national poll suggests relationships may be more resilient than you think. Uh, So in spite of doom and gloom predictions of deteriorating relationships, when we asked if their relationship changed since the coronavirus outbreak, Uh, the vast majority felt their relationship was largely unchanged. So 74% said there was no change. Uh, There were more people, 17%, who indicated that their relationship had gotten a little or even a lot better than than there were respondents who felt it got worse. So about 5% felt it got uh, worse. Now, the uh, researchers say that it's possible that the good and the bad are balancing each other out. That is, getting to spend more time with people we love may counterbalance many of the strains created during a global pandemic. Um, A large-scale longitudinal study of more than 1,500 adults, primarily in their mid-30s, found that 57% felt too distant in their relationship and wanted more closeness with their partner. In other words, when couples endure hardships together, their relationship may take a few steps backward. But the benefit of each other's support and companionship allows them to take a few steps forward and may leave us closer to where we started. So this is why 
we haven't seen that huge change. Uh, and they asked the question, has the virus changed how much you argue? In their sample, 70% indicated that they got into about the same number of arguments as they did before the outbreak. Only 10% said they were arguing more, while 18% said they argued less. So that's really uh, good news. Another question was, has the virus changed your uh, sex life? So most polled felt their sex life was about the same. Uh, 9% said that it was better and 5% said that it was worse. Uh, and then the last question was, what's the pandemic's long-term impact on your relationship? They asked the question, after the outbreak, do you think your relationship will have gotten stronger or gotten weaker or will it not have changed? 51% believe their relationship will emerge from the pandemic stronger. That's great. Uh, 28% believe it will be a lot stronger. 23% believe it will be a bit stronger or a little stronger. Another 46% believe their relationship will be unchanged, leaving just 1% who believe it will have gotten worse. So that's pretty optimistic news. Um, I think we can all agree. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Well, just about anything goes and, and people are waiting for for the sperm smoothie and, and, and dolphin sex. So I think I'm going to get to those before I talk about how quarantine has changed our sex life simply because I don't want to keep you hanging till the very, very end. Uh, let's see. And these are just the, um, you know, on Fridays I share mostly serious stuff and studies and research and things like that. But there's always a couple of stories that just make me go, what the... Okay, like really, what the, uh, and these two did this for me uh, this week. So uh, the headline was this, mom claims she hasn't been sick in years due to sperm smoothies. So Tracy Kiss is a fitness model and mother of two in England, and she swears by the stuff. She says, her words, my immune system is far stronger than it's ever been. I no longer catch colds or the flu, even when my children get sick from school. I have such high energy levels, feel positive and enthusiastic, and have focus and clarity throughout my day, whilst most parents feel tired, crave junk food, and struggle with forgetfulness. Um, she, she says, being vegan... Listen, I'm a vegan. I have been for years, a few years, and I would have never, this would, this would never cross my mind, by the way. I just want you to know that. Uh, and just being vegan could give you all of these uh, benefits without having to include eat, drinking sperm either. Uh, she says, being vegan, my fridge and fruit bowl are always filled with fresh ingredients. I make smoothies from whatever I have to hand each day. Typically, I blend apples, fresh ginger, fresh mint, celery, cucumber, spinach leaves, carrot, and berries. And in the process, the fruity flavors cover up the semeny ones, she says. Uh, reveal, she says it's similar to hiding vegetables blended into a sauce for a fussy eater. Okay. Uh, when semen is mixed into a smoothie, it totally disguises the taste but maximizes 
the goodness. You would never know it's there because the fruit and vegetables balance out the saltiness of the taste, which would otherwise have been overpowering if consumed on its own. You think? Uh, it should be noted that sperm smoothies are not exactly FDA approved or recommended by any medical professionals. This is a little like a Gwyneth Paltrow kind of thing, okay? Uh, they really haven't... Um, I mean, there have been some studies over the years, yes, that have linked uh, sperm consumption to some random minimal health benefits, but not enough to turn this into a business of uh, of sperm smoothies and also in very, very specific types of uh, conditions. And uh, my colleague commented on this, uh, Stephen Snyder, this uh, an MD uh, from New York, he commented on this and, and he said, she is not actually drinking sperm. Just keep in mind that she's not drinking sperm. She's drinking semen, only a small fraction of which is spermatozoa. The rest is just nutritive substances for the spermatozoa. It seems reasonable that those nutritive substances might have some value. Uh, all the values that she espouses, I don't think so. I don't think that's possible. And, uh, are you wondering where she gets her supply? Well, she says, uh, thankfully she has a boyfriend that meets all of her semen needs. How do you like them apples or them smoothies? I should say. Okay. This is really strange. And sometimes do you ever read stories, scratch your head and say, is this real? Like, could this, and there were pictures here. I'm not pictures of him having sex, but th- I'm like, could this be like fake news? I, I don't even know anymore. It just seems so far out there. But then again, uh, you know, there's a lot of far out stuff that is actually real. <laughs> so let me just share this. Uh, so this guy by the name of Malcolm Brenner wrote a book. So I'm guessing it's real if, the book is there, although I didn't check to see if the book is available on Amazon. The book is called Wet Goddess. Somebody Google it for me while we're uh, last few minutes of the show here since I can't do it. And let me know if this is a real book. It's called Wet Goddess about his experiences with the dolphin who he claims to have a relationship with when he was a student. So this guy is a self-confessed zoophile. So a zoophile is uh, basically someone who practices bestiality, just letting you know. And he claims he had an affair with a dolphin called Dolly. And here's the kicker. He says after she seduced him, the dolphin seduced him. Yes, I kid you not. He is now 68 years old. This all took place in the 1970s, okay? He was a student when he embarked on this relationship with a bottlenose dolphin in the 70s. He wrote this book, Wet Goddess, which tells the story of a young man who has a sexual relationship with a dolphin, Ruby, while he's working at a theme park. He has admitted the book is autobiographical and based on his own experiences. He said, I wrote this book for dolphins. Yeah, because dolphins can read. uh, Because we are mistreating these animals by keeping them in captivity. Malcolm claims to have been in his early 20s when he started his relationship with Dolly. He was a keen photographer and was allowed to take pictures in the pool at a former theme park in Sarasota, Florida, where he lived. The student was allowed to swim with the dolphins and soon formed a close bond 
with Dolly. He said, I was given free access to the dolphins and I became friends with her by going swimming with her. She was very special. Um, Malcolm claims uh, Dolly announced her intentions towards him by positioning herself so he was rubbing against her. He added, at first I discouraged her. I wasn't interested. After some time, I thought, if this was a woman, would I come up with these rationalizations and excuses? Okay, but it's not a woman. Malcolm, this is an animal. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Uh, Malcolm insists Dolly became more and more aggressive in her pursuit of him. He said, I found that extraordinarily erotic. There's problem number one. Uh, It's like being with a tiger or a bear. This is an animal that could kill you in two seconds if it wanted to. Then one, one night after the theme park had closed, Malcolm says... He and Dolly eluded the male dolphin so they could spend time alone and eventually had sex for the first time. He explained there's something quite transcendental about making love with a dolphin. Malcolm has always stressed there was nothing abusive about his relationship with Dolly and that dolphins basically have free will. And how do you communicate consent in all of this? But anyway, he added, what is repulsive about a relationship with bo- where both partners feel and express love for each other? I know what I'm talking about here because after we made love, the dolphin put her snout on my shoulder, embraced me with her flippers, and we stared into each other's eyes for about a minute. This was not some dog trying to hop my leg, okay? This was a 400-pound, wild-born female dolphin. She was an awesome creature. But nine months after Malcolm began his relationship with Dolly, the park closed and she was moved elsewhere. It sent the young student, Malcolm, into a spiral of depression. He said, I called it a relationship because that's what it was. When she died, it made me feel terrible and I fell into a depression which lasted five years. He also claimed their separation had a devastating impact on the female dolphin. She died shortly after she was moved and Malcolm firmly believes she committed suicide by voluntarily stopping breathing so you must be wondering is this not against the law well at the time no the relationship did not break any laws because bestiality was only banned in florida in 2011 malcolm has since been married twice but also describes himself as a zoophile and says he has had previous sexual experiences with a dog. Somebody Googled it. His book actually exists. Wet Wet Goddess. So this is not made up. How bloody scary is that? And disgusting. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, All right. A couple of uh, stories here, or a couple of texts. Can she actually prove her health improvement is not necessarily due to the rest of her veggies and not to mention the placebo effect, perhaps? Nope. Can't prove that. Um, (laughs) Sperm smoothie. Can I interest her in a coxicle? (laughs) Okay. I just had to say that one. Um, Since when had bestiality become legal exactly? So in different places, according to in Florida, only in 2011 was it uh, banned or was it deemed illegal? This guy needs uh, some serious help. 
and gives a whole new meaning to the dating site Plenty of Fish. Oh, you're quick. Uh, you're right. Pretty gross, pretty disgusting, um, but true story. What can I say? Um, yeah, I'm not that cool with this story. No matter how smart dolphins are, if it's true that Dolly committed suicide, then I call it animal abuse on his part. It's definitely animal abuse. There's no question about it. Uh, it's just the whole idea of, uh, of animal sex is... Uh, it's it's like beyond my comprehension and then most of our comprehension it's one of those taboo things like really taboo things so um yeah not uh not cool not cool anyhow i'll leave all the other stories and such for next friday night uh don't forget you can email me anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com or just go to my website drlaurie.com so that you uh can get uh you can you can find me there you can contact me through there send me an email you can listen to our podcast of all past shows as well and and all of that so um do uh, do visit and on social media it's at dr Lori betito b-e-t-i-t-o thank you so much for spending your time with me always appreciate you thanks to our technical producers tonight jimmy and chris aiken and thank you to our passion researcher as well linda delisi coming up next here on cjd we bring you the ctv national news have a great rest of the, week, of the evening a fabulous weekend and remember to live your life with passion 